0: Hello and welcome to the artsy podcast this week we're going to take a break from our regularly scheduled programming to bring you the second edition of the artsy podcast extra this time I'm happy to say that our very own Alex Forbes uh, is on the ground in China right now. Hi Alex. Hey Isaac. Readers will have seen your coverage of West Bund uh, in Shanghai but but can you maybe tell me what 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 brings you to China.
1: Yeah, so I was in uh, Shanghai since last Tuesday, um, covering West Bund, and then going to Art 021, which is the other fair that happens this week. They, they're they actually coinciding for the first time this year. Um, and then to the Shanghai Biennale. I took the train up on Sunday uh, to a very smoggy Beijing, um, trying to check out the art scene here, seeing what's happening in both cities, and have been really, uh, really amazed by by the kind of rapid development, I haven't been in China in you know, ten years, I think. So uh, certainly, it's changed a lot since then. But and even even in the past couple of years, I've, I've been told it's it's really changed a lot. Um, so yeah, up in Beijing right now, checking out seven ninety eight and uh, a couple of the other art districts here, visiting some museums, and then uh, headed back to you guys at the end of the week.
0: Cool. So obviously, a lot to uh to unpack there. You sort of talked about how the how China has really changed. Um, since you were last there i mean people read in the art world a lot about these big museums that are opening up this sort of drive to to create parity with some major western art institutions you know where do you sort of see the narratives following through and where do you see them kind of changing uh based off your on the ground experience
1: well i think even even with those museums you know i think there there are a few that are are quite large and, you know, there are a few that kind of resemble what you'd think of as a museum. Many of them are also just kind of private collection spaces. Um, So I think, you know, I've I've been surprised to see kind of how the infrastructure is, is potentially different than what you might see in the kind of Western media narrative. You know, this isn't like the Met Breuer building or or the or the Whitney building um for each of these <laughs> museums they're they're considerably smaller uh, that doesn't actually take away from anything that they're doing i I would say, but you know it, it it is an early early stage scene here still it's it's probably smaller than I think a lot of people might think you know walking around the fairs the, the aisles are not. Um, packed in the same way that you might expect at a, at a freeze or at Basel on opening day. Um, but that also kind of speaks to the, the buying power of the audience here, where you know people did phenomenally well from what I was hearing at both of the fairs. And you know that's, that's to just a few uh, individuals that they're really kind of set up for that small but mighty collecting audience here.
0: I want to talk a little bit more about the fairs. So for those of us who maybe aren't necessarily familiar with the um, art fair scene in China. Um, I know it's, it's been expanding, changing. C- can you maybe give us the lay of the land and how West Bun fits into that? Who, who's it kind of serving and, and, and what uh, nook does it fill?
1: So basically the two fairs that were taking place um, last week, West Bun and Zero to One, both service a slightly different audience. Um, I was talking to dealers last week who were saying that, you know, they bring potentially more institutional works um, to West Bund, um, to kind of service people uh, like the Lawn Museum or Booty Youth Museum or the Chow Space and then Art Zero Two One is is you know from what I'm hearing kind of a, a younger crowd um, a slightly more um, you know people kept using the word fashion led and I'm I'm not sure exactly what that means um, but. Uh, but a crowd that that you know is is more potentially collecting for their homes or or really a private collection, not having made the the jump to a to a museum yet.
0: Yeah, I kind of want to pick up on what you were saying about different uh, kind of clientele for each fair. Obviously, one of the narratives around this week's auctions in New York is that there's a that uh, attracts a lot of buyers from Asia, um, and I'm just wondering, you know, how does that tie into who you're seeing buying? Uh, West Bund is that different than art Basel in Hong Kong? Can you maybe connect those dots?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I I, I was reading um, something interesting from I believe the the Christie's um, head of sale that was saying you know there are thirty to forty five clients in Asia that can spend um, astronomical s- sums on on art. Not going to read through in the audience here. Um, it's still a relatively small group of people who are collecting contemporary art compared to the wider population that still is, is most interested in classical Asian art, you know, works from antiquity, but it's growing rapidly and, and the buying power is huge. Um, one of the interesting things that, that I picked up on here is that, you know, people don't approach collecting, maybe uh, I, w- I was told by one dealer as, as this kind of, with this question around if art is an asset class. Um, so there's a little bit more uh, direct understanding that this is one way to spend money and, and store value. Um, so, you know, while the markets here have tightened, and one of the younger dealers was saying kind of interestingly that despite the markets ha- tightening over the past year and maybe each individual person buying less, there are so many new collectors starting every year here that your your kind of bottom line as a as a gallerist keeps going up. Um, that's certainly something I think we've we've stopped seeing in the West over the past couple of years. Um, so it's interesting to see that that's still playing out here.
0: And sort of in terms of how West Bund compares to Art Basel in Hong Kong?
1: Well, you know, Art Basel in Hong Kong is, is more international in orientation. Um, you know, it's it's also huge in comparison. West Bund was, I believe, 31 galleries. Art Basel in Hong Kong has that more kind of traditional uh, major fair size of around 200 so from a from just a footprint perspective, it, you know, West Bund is, is significantly smaller. Uh, that's that's a trend that we've been seeing across certain fairs and you know, personally I find it refreshing to see a, a smaller, more select group of galleries. Neither fair ever gets very full, but you do see I think a, a greater influx of international collectors to Art Basel and Hong Kong in a way that you might not, to West Bund or Art 021 due to the the Basel brand, I, I would say most most specifically. Also due to its position, you know, Hong Kong is much closer to Southeast Asia, um, so you, you likely see more kind of collectors from Indonesia and Singapore and and so forth coming there. Art 021 and West Bund are really much more for that um, mainland Chinese buying set.
0: Yeah, I mean, and y- you sort of described the scene at West Bund um, in in your sales report, uh, you know, you were there during the election. What was it like there?
1: Yeah, so we were watching the election results roll in, um, in the afternoon in Shanghai. Uh, when I left my hotel, I think the AP had just called Florida for Trump, um, and and then ended up in the fair the rest of the day, which was a very surreal experience. You know, th- there was also this kind of nice solidarity moment. Um, you know, I found myself, in multiple times, and in, in the middle of the aisles with a, a gallerist or dealer, a, a fellow writer, a, a PR, and and so forth. Kind of everybody refreshing their phone, and you have to use a VPN here for most of the the news service sources that um, that that we were looking at, and kind of whoever had the greatest connection, um, we we're kind of comparing notes along with. And then I think, you know, frankly, people were kind of surprised the next day when they woke up um, and saw that markets hadn't tanked in the way that, you know, everybody had expected. Um, but there was kind of a running joke around the fair on Wednesday that, you know, nobody had priced their works in dollars because people thought the dollar was going to go through the floor. And we haven't necessarily seen that pan out at, at all, really, um, since since the election has happened, you know, the the stock market has hit record highs throughout the week with the so-called the like, Trump bump. Yeah,
0: I I definitely think it's without editorializing or anything, it's just simply too early to say um what what impact Trump will have on on the whole world. But um kind of kind of talking about Trump and China, you know, obviously, in the campaign, he sort of talked about it as this monolithic far off place in a sort of otherizing xenophobic way. And I, and I'm curious, you know, you're, you're obviously there right now, you've spent time there in the past, can you maybe provide a little bit more nuance uh, about about, you know, even the differences between Beijing and Shanghai, for example?
1: Well, I I think what, you know, continues to be the case is that Shanghai is is much more international, whereas um, Beijing is more kind of the the seat of the traditional Chinese art scene. Um, Shanghai is definitely on an upswing right now. Um, Some people that I spoke with said that due to some recent kind of tightening of of certain regulations, there there are people that are moving down to Shanghai um, because it's, you know, it's not in the capital, so the you know, the thumb comes down on you a little bit less, less strongly than it might otherwise, and, and in other places. Um, but you know, it, it, what's what's interesting is that you know you definitely have more private museums in Shanghai. I, I've I've been told that the the government there has really made it a key initiative to um, to import culture into the city, which um, I think we can all agree is, is a good thing. Westbun in and of itself is a government sponsored development initiative where they really decided to carve out a portion of the city and say, you know, this, this spot is going to be about Western, mostly contemporary art, uh, which is, which is a cool thing, you know, granted, it's, it's less accessible than uh, might be ideal by public transport. But you know it's it's a it's a worthy initiative nonetheless, and I think most most art zones tend to happen on the fringes of of cities anyhow. Um, in Beijing, you know you still have this seven nine eight zone, which you know is kind of a maze of small streets that that have you know major galleries like PaCE as well as you know uh, private museums like mwoods and and the u c c a and also major local galleries, long march space. Beijing commune, etc. There's much more artists in um, Beijing. It was at the studio of um, Cao Fei, a very famous artist who's uh, also doing the next uh, BMW art car. And you know, she was saying that you know, Beijing is much less crowded than um, Shanghai, and and you can have a bit more space here to work. But it definitely does seem that there's some significant momentum moving in shanghai's direction in terms of both the international art scenes recognition of it um its ability to host not one but two uh, major art fairs and generally population kind of centering there and then the museum's uh museum centering there
0: so you kind of mentioned a little bit about how how things are kind of changing and getting bigger there how do you sort of see the art scene developing you know when you when you make your visit back in the next 10 years how malleable really is is what what's going on there
1: in the way that you know you don't see elsewhere things are still really plastic here you know it's been inspiring to see how just hungry for information the the kind of art population is here there's clearly um, a certain group that's been able to travel around the world, go to all the major fairs, see the major institutions and develop relationships with kind of international galleries and and museum directors and curators and so forth by joining Young Collectors' Councils. Certainly that's that's a small group and there are many more people here who would like to see that connection. So I think it's gonna be really exciting over the next few years to see how this continues to develop. You know, I think it's it's almost, comical but uh but a very real thing here how you know if you 've been collecting art for ten years you're like one of the real old guard, and there are people starting museums who've only collected for you know three years or 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 fewer, so you know that gives you a kind of picture of of how fervently people are collecting and also how um how much more this audience is p- positioned to expand you know you have a growing middle class and and therefore also growing art interested class and an upper class that will be you know curious to see how things continue to develop over the next few years
0: all right i think that's a great place to leave it so alex uh thanks for filling us in all the way from china and we'll let you go
1: thanks for having me i'll see you guys soon
0: please remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast on itunes see you guys next time Our producer this week was Abigail Kane, as always. Uh, The theme music is by Broke for Free.